Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive. The show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Fringe. Today we will be discussing Season 5, Episode 12, titled Liberty. A phenomenal, phenomenal penultimate episode that... Weirdly enough, almost acts as, like, a kind of love letter to classic Fringe. Like, literally, this episode basically goes, You want alternate universe? Here's alternate universe. You want Cortexafan? Here's Cortexafan. You want special appearances by both Broyles and Lincoln? Here's special appearances by both Broyles and Lincoln. And it's great, and I love it. (laughs) Oh, oh, a little reminder of... Simpler times when we weren't in a dystopian future wrapped up in a time war. Uh, we'll we'll dive into the substance of this episode in a minute, but before that, uh, we will get into hopefully for the last time things that are different. Please, please let this be the last time I have to do this terrible intro. Like, if if the finale comes up and there's a little things that are different thing that pops up, I'm going to be annoyed. Because <laughs> I don't want to do that intro anymore. <laughs> anyway, so, few things. Mostly alternate universe stuff, but there is one big prime universe 2036 thing. Uh, Statue of Liberty? That thing's just gone. That thing's just decimated. They just killed it. <laughs> like, the observers just went... Oh, you like your Statue of Liberty? Nope. You're... <laughs> nope, you don't get that. You don't get your Statue of Liberty. Uh, in fact, there's a really cool scene where they play around with this thing. Uh, where they use the universe window because we're not sure what happened in, like, the multiple decades since uh, closing the bridge. Like, we, we, we don't... We just don't. We just don't know. Maybe Observer's invaded over there, too. We don't know. Uh... So, we break out this universe window, look at the Statue of Liberty, point it at the Statue of Liberty, because it's this recognizable thing the Observers tampered with, uh, to see if Observers invaded, and, like, there's the really cool sequence where, like, you see, right in the spot of the stump of Liberty, uh, comes, like, the big copper statue, and it's, like, a really cool moment. Like, so, they actually get something really great out of that. And then... Basically, there's also a bit of a where are they now when it comes to alternate universe characters. Because uh, we find out that Walternate retired from the DOD. He is 90 years old and still lecturing at Harvard. So that's a thing. Uh, also, for Olivia and Lincoln, they're married with a kid. So good for them. Yay. And we get some... We get some nice moments of seeing them together. And it's nice It's nice to see for Olivia and Lincoln happy. Uh... I especially love <laughs> Fo Olivia in this episode gives one of my favorite lines of the entire series. You can stop checking out my young ass. <laughs> I love that line so much. It is so funny. <laughs> it is the best. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's just so great. Anyway, uh, that is it for this installment. Hopefully final installment of things that are different. Okay, uh, that might be that might be it. We might be safe. We might be safe, everyone. We might be safe from that intro. Let's never speak of this again. Anyway, so this episode kind of picks up where the last one left off. Uh, observers have Michael. Fringe Division scrambling to get him back. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, observers are kind of experimenting on him at Liberty Island. Trying to figure out what the hell he is. Why Fringe Division needs him. There's an amazing moment where Winmark tries to interrogate him the way he would a normal human. Tries to read him. And it's like everything he does, all the damage he tries to do, just gets whipped right back around at him. And, like, you see that, like, he's getting this bloody nose, like, a blood vessel in his eye ruptures, so he's got, like, a red eye. Uh, And it's just like, the more he tries to read Michael, the more pain it causes him. Which is such a satisfying moment after seeing how much pain he causes people who he reads. Like, I mean, like, after that traumatic Walter interrogation scene in the first episode of this season, like, it's it, it's very cathartic to see, like, yeah, that's how it feels, bitch! You got... <laughs> you're getting all this pain from reading Michael! Woo! Like, it's just... It's very, very satisfying. And he very much had it coming. Uh, but after, like, further examinations, they do figure out that, oh, shit, this, this kid, this anomaly, uh, is actually evolutionary, evolutionarily better than us, and, uh, has higher intellect and emotion, uh, in a way that we previously thought was totally 100% impossible, and there's that, so... They basically, they basically schedule him for disassembly, aka they're going to kill him, for further study. So this is our race against the clock. We have to get that, we have to get Michael out before they murder him. And so we come up with this plan based on Broyles' intel that Liberty Island is just like completely and 100% impenetrable. And... We come up with the plan to go through the other side, go through the other universe, bypass security altogether, and do that by reintroducing Cortexafan into Olivia's brain. Now, crash course on how Cortexafan works in this episode for anyone who might be confused. They say all this very, very fast, so it's understandable how some people might not understand the inner mechanics. Basically, so... Back at the very, very end of Season 4, when Olivia was hopped up on so much Cortexafan and activated all at once that she literally was unintentionally collapsing two universes. Back when William Bell basically turned Olivia into a giant atom bomb, (laughs) essentially. The strain of doing that, almost collapsing two universes... And also resurrecting herself after getting shot in the head. Those two things combined completely drained away all the cortexafan in her brain. Uh, those massive, massive, 
uh, feats back to back. Completely made it so that Cortex Fan was removed from her brain. However, because Cortex Fan was introduced to, into her system as a child, uh, it did create these unique neural pathways so that Cortex Fan could at any point be reintroduced. However, there are two things working against that. One, uh, as Walter says, those paths have atrophied from, uh, from disuse. From not being used at all. Basically, it's like any muscle. If you don't use it for long enough, that muscle just, it's, it's very, very hard to move again. It's like your leg falling asleep. Like if you sit the wrong way for too long and your leg falls asleep, it's kind of hard. It, it gets kind of hard to move that leg around a bit. Uh, stay there for months at a time or years at a time. Like it gets almost impossible. Uh, seen from Kill Bill. Uh, with Uma Thurman t- trying to, like, wiggle her toe. Uh, Quentin Tarantino's foot fetish shot of the movie. Uh, <laughs> like, that sort of thing. Also, they don't flat out say this, but it is very heavily implied if you are following this, the lore of this series based on context clues, following the rules of Cortexafan. Cortexavan is most effective when administered as a child. This is why they did child test subjects back in the day. This is why they did those trials on children. Because you introduce them in adults, doesn't do much. Doesn't do shit. It's just, it just sort of exists. But if you introduce it into a child, into a brain that is not fully developed, that sort of causes development in the brain, causing the brain to develop differently and develop all of these various abilities. So now, with Livia being introduced this, these doses of cortexafan as an adult, not as effective. Don't get as much bang for your buck. So what would basically happen is that it would burn much quicker And it wouldn't be as ingrained in the brain as it was when it was as a kid. Because, like, as a kid, you can do whatever the hell you want for decades upon decades upon decades, so long as it's not as big as bringing yourself back from the dead and collapsing two universes on your own, one right after the other. (laughs) Like, literally, that cataclysmic thing was the only thing that could drain the cortexafan reservoirs that were there since childhood. But for adulthood, again, like, don't get as much bang for your buck. So you get four vials of cortexafan in there. It just causes four trips between universes to dry that up. Uh, so that's basically how cortexafan works in this episode. Again, they say it very, very fast. And some of it, you rely on context clues. Uh, so it is understandable why someone might not understand it, but if you really read between the lines of this world, it makes total and perfect sense. All of this is to say, Livia's getting shot up with a shit ton of Cortexafan. She's getting a lot of Cortexafan right into her brainstem this episode. Uh, they basically have to give her a dose big enough so that she can jump between universes four times but not so big that she you know has a giant seizure and dies because you know 
That would be bad. That would fall under the category of not good. So we need to find that middle ground. The middle ground is these four vials uh, that Walter injects into Olivia very painfully in this really visceral and kind of traumatic scene. Uh, that is very, 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 very well done. Uh, now there are some side effects. If the Cortexafan burns through her system too quickly, she goes into withdrawal mode. She'll have hallucinations, time slippage, all of that. And it is very, very temporary. The absolute, like, maximum that can be relied on is three and a half hours from last injection. So that's how much time she has to go into the alternate universe, get to Liberty Island, cross into our universe, get Michael, go into alternate universe, go back to Battery Park, cross into our universe. And so we get into this mission. We go into this mission into the alternate universe. We get these fun sequences in the alternate universe. Folivia gives the greatest line in all of history. (laughs) I love that line so much. (laughs) With every fiber of my being. Uh, There are great moments where Olivia is, like, sitting down with Folivia and Lincoln and, like, talking about, like, everything that she's been through in the last, like, what, 24 years since the bridge closed? Uh, And it's... A great moment. It's really, really cool. And, of course, you have that time slippage in there where uh, they fast-forward through a lot of that conversation. Uh, But Olivia is guided to the exact room where Michael is being held, crosses over, but unfortunately, by that time, he's already been taken for disassembly. So we have this great moment where Olivia is just navigating throughout this Liberty Island facility... While going through Cortexafan withdrawal symptoms, so she's kind of like, her vision's kind of blinking between universes. We don't really know what's happening. Like, she's phasing in and out. Uh, she's kind of disoriented. Uh, and it yet is still going around murdering observers and loyalists. And it, it's a really fantastic moment. Really, really cleverly done. Really cleverly handled. Uh, I especially love this one moment where an observer kind of corners her, and she then uses Cortex fan abilities, uh, blowing shit up as, like, a distraction, and then shoots that observer. That's an amazing moment. Uh, But she gets Michael, she rescues Michael, uh, she brings him into the alternate universe... Some observers come over to the alternate universe, and we get into a bit of a tussle with, uh, Folivia and Lincoln, uh, between these observers, uh, but they take him out, Lincoln stays behind just in case more cross over, uh, Olivia and Folivia go to Battery Park, and Olivia crosses back over, and we got Michael back! Yay! We got Michael back! Based on a fun alternate universe detour that I love so much. It's so good. Like I'm going through this very, very fast because it's very dense. <laughs> it is a very dense and very complicated plan. But it it plays out beautifully. It plays out in a beautiful way. And I love it so much. So, Michael's back and everything's good, right? There's never going to be any problems at all. Oh. Crap, that's not that's not how storytelling works. I'm starting to hear that that's that's not how storytelling works. All right then. Uh yeah, so we had a couple of complications going into the finale to say the least. 
first off, um, so apparently Winmark only told three loyalists of the location of Michael. Only told three officers where Michael was being held. So Winmark brings in one of the officers, and that officer confesses to Winmark that he told Broyles. That Broyles pried the information out of him. And so... Winmark knows that Broyles is a traitor. Winmark knows that Broyles is the dove and is part of the resistance. So there's that. Also, uh, September, throughout this entire episode, is assembling the machine. Assembling the machine. Assembling the machine that's going to send Michael into the future. Unfortunately, it doesn't work. Not right away, at least. There's a problem with it. It's not specified in the episode, but we know there's some issue that's not causing it to work properly. So, September, in the very, very ending final scene of this episode, pays a visit to December. His, like, higher up from back in the old days when he was full-blown observer. Uh, the guy giving mortars all the time. Yeah, he went to December. And is like, hey, I need your help. You owe me. And December lets him in, and that's the end of the episode. By the way, I love this little Easter egg they put in. The final shot of the episode is the apartment number 513. The final episode is season 5, episode 13. It's almost like they are just taunting the viewer and flat out saying, Ha ha, you gotta wait till the next episode, ha ha. Just obnoxious. Damn you, Fringe. Damn you. Uh, (laughs) And uh, yeah, we are fully teed up for the finale. Get ready. That finale... That finale is unironically one of the best episodes in all of Fringe. Like, it's great. It's amazing. It's incredible. And I cannot wait to dive into it so much. It's gonna be... It's gonna be beautiful. It's gonna be beautiful to finally get to talk about that last episode. Anyway. Uh, if you like this... Favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives, so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as we go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcast app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's simple as just push up a button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, TomTom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark pledges a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. If you become a patron, you can also get access to the Television Archive Supplemental, which I'll be putting up there once every month. Or, if that doesn't work for you, you can also support their show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, tomorrow we will be discussing Season 5, Episode 13, the series finale. Talk to you then.